Lost the Script is a podcast not suitable for young, delicate ears. That means if you're a child listener, please don't tell your parents. I'm super excited about today's episode, and I'm sure you know why. Do you know why? Um, I, I don't, actually. I was sure. You, was you were sure. sure. You, know why, you were sure. It's because I'm incredibly hopped up on cold medicine, so this is either going to be me at my funniest or me at my most incoherent, which also in turn might be me at my funniest. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> Osmosis Jones is up in my guts right now, fighting a fucking battle for his life. <laughs> fighting for his life. Thank you, wow. Ozzy. I really appreciate Ozzie it. Ozzy Jones. Prince of Darkness. <laughs> what a crossover. What's a funny body word that rhymes with Crowley? Bowley. Mr. Bowley. We got it in one. There it is. <laughs> Anything new in your world that uh, that you're excited about? Or maybe not excited about? I don't well, mean to, I'm yeah. every day. You know, they say that you learn something new every day, but also uh, what I learn every day, as if it were mm-hmm. a new day each time I learn it, is that there's so much in the world to be tired of and hate. Huh. Outside of that, though, I started watching Freaks and Geeks. Wow. It's actually, I don't know if anyone has like revisited it, but I'm sure it like holds up. Uh, I, I get flack when I'm like, I really love Martin Starr in Silicon Valley. And people are like, oh, he's Freaks and Geeks. And I'm like, you mean no, from Freaks and no. Geeks? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that takes place in Michigan, actually. Wow. I don't know where. It doesn't matter. They're kind of all the same. <laughs> it really does feel like a, that 70s show thing. I really thought, like, this could be Wisconsin. And it practically is. It's Michigan. Yeah. So. It's about the same. What are you up to other than uh, being hardcore on the men's? Just mostly being hardcore on the men's. I was going to do so much this week. I painted so much as we talked last time Mm. uh, about houses, not portraits. Um, Not painting houses also like as a subject matter, just painting house. That's awesome. Your fiance comes home and she's like, did you paint the house? And you're like, yes. And you turn around and easel and it's just your house. It's on the fridge. <laughs> I misunderstood the assignment and I don't know why you're mad at me about it. I had so many plans. I was going to make a bunch of TikToks. It was going to be hilarious. So many funny ideas. God People damn. tell me I'm twisted. <laughs> and I see it. I see it. But yeah, my band released a new single, so go check that out out on spotify or apple or itunes or youtube i don't know fucking like look it up beeswax mcwigerton check yeah, that out yeah i pretty, almost said honey boy <laughs> i don't know maybe the algorithm will do you some <laughs> yeah, service like, if you talk my did band you name honey beeswax? Boy, it knows where you're going <laughs> but i know where you're going everybody and you are going directly to lost the scriptville that is the small armed encampment that <laughs> ian and i are starting right now some people call it a cult some people call it a podcast, and this podcast is Lost the Script. Every first week, we guesstimate a movie based entirely off of the poster. We take a poster, we look at it, we make a three-part plot out of it. It's usually funny. It usually ends with 9-11. I don't know what our hang-up about that is. Well, um, I mean, so many things ended with 9-11. Yeah, like true freedom. <laughs> Soft core nationalism. <laughs> <laughs> Cassidy was dying my hair the other day, and I was thinking about the Willy's Wonderland episode we, that we did, where it did the classic thing that we uh, occasionally do, and it like zoomed out at the end, and it turns out it's like on September, <laughs> September tenth, uh, and. And then I started laughing, and she's like, what are you thinking about? I was like, I'm just thinking about 9-11. <laughs> that is not, 
an appropriate thing to laugh about uh, without context. Uh, but every second week, we then watch the movie. You can watch it with us in the interim of that week, and then we do a little review of it. We analyze it. We talk about our feelings about it. We talk about what we did better than that movie did, because usually what we did better is everything. everything. <laughs> and what that movie did was be rooted in reality, which is inherently a bad thing to do. <laughs> but I am one of your two podcast co-hosts, unfortunately rooted in reality, though I'm slowly getting away from it. <laughs> As this cold medicine takes roots in my brain, Chris Coble. Hi, how you doing? And I'm the other one, uh, and I'm not on cold medicine, but I'm so detached from reality, it seems like I am. Kian Hagstrom. Perfect. The best place to start a religion, deeply <laughs> rooted in inside of your own brain. Yes, absolutely. I, I actually, honest to God, thought this the other day. I was, I was driving around, and I was like... I wonder how much it would cost to just buy up a church. It's not like right. if you were to try and buy a school, it's different because like the government is involved in that. As far as I'm aware, and I'm not, um, of churches. Uh -huh. <laughs> Best place to be when you're starting an <laughs> argument also. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, churches don't have that same uh, relationship with the government. So you could possibly, and I've seen people who like live in old, um, whatever they call nunneries i i first pose it as a question to you i just wonder if you were to right. just buy a church and just, and just take it over uh -huh. how what do you think your retention of uh hmm. of uh of the like flock the, the populace yeah if you just started doing what, teachings do i also retain all the staff that's also like already there do i get all of the the priests that are there or is it just like i'm now I'm forced to stock this with all my friends. <laughs> every, every part of me wants to know each iteration of, of your church takeover. Like, I want to know how you would do it either way. What would you prefer to do? Would you rather keep the clergy or whatever is there? I would like to keep the current staff there because you can work so much better influencing people by paying them than you can just by being some rando that takes over church. Because I, I come in there with some wild ideas. Right. And no uh, priests that are already there, no familiar faces, and they're just like, no, don't worry about it. We live in Michigan. There's a church two feet away. Right. It's fine. <laughs> I get in there. I start to be like the Greamer worm tongue uh, towards, <laughs> and I don't really know what my end goal is. I, I think ultimately, like my whole thing is just Any to be able to just- goal. Well, nuclear war seems sure. like a pretty positive one. You're uh, like the predecessor but, yeah. to the, the ghoul populations in Fallout. <laughs> where you're just like, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming and we'll have told you so what it does. My plan before I even start is like a 80-year plan. Cultivate the community. Their children's children don't realize that it was ever the first church to Any begin different. with. Yeah. Before we get way too into the weeds on this... Uh, <laughs> Do you want to introduce the movie that we're going to be guesstimating today? I absolutely would. The movie that we're going to be doing this week is Liam Neeson's The Ice Road. Or Ice the Road. Not 100% sure. Yeah, the 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 is precariously placed within the confines of the sea in ice. So it's like... They embedded it on? deep in the title. Yeah. Bad move. Almost subliminal, movie, the probably. the. It's an afterthought, really. Speaking of subliminal, how about we go to the liminal, and by which I mean illuminating, illuminating Chris Coble. What does this poster look like? 
for those at home. It's so bright in here. Oh, Jesus. This poster looks mostly like just a picture of very sad Liam Neeson. Mm. Liam Neeson looks pretty bummed. <laughs> he really does. It's not really uh, even it's, photogenic. It's di- like, no, it's it's this one is uncanny to me because it's different than most Liam Neeson where he looks like a little bit angry yeah. or like desperate. He looks upset. Yeah. Uh we got an upset Liam Neeson head below Liam Neeson says the ice road or ice the road. Again, the is just way up in the guts of this font. So I don't know whose decision that was. Uh, above it, it says Liam Neeson and oh, Lawrence Fishburne. What? Double, double, double trouble. Below that, there is a Mack truck or a Peterbilt truck. As my father pointed out to me on our episode <laughs> talking about trucks, there's more than Mack trucks in the world. We just call them maximum overdrive trucks. There's a maximum overdrive truck right underneath <laughs> Ice Road. It's headlights beaming off to the left. We have two protagonists running towards the truck with a division in the ice, a a, uh, a crevice starting to open in the ice, splitting them apart. The tagline of this poster says, this mission is on thin ice. Wow, Uh-oh. that's fucking great, actually. Is I it? See, I think it's amazing. Like it, th- For a movie that came out so recently... To have such a punny subtitle is amazing to me. They're like, this is too good to give in to, like, modern uh, ideals of what what a subtitle should be. Or what a poster should look like. (laughs) Ice the road or the ice road. I think whatever we're going to do with this really depends on if they're icing the road or if it's about an ice road. What I think is hilarious about that is that in the picture, the road is becoming... On ice. If we were to put it as ice the road, that would mean that Liam Neeson is some sort of like a dystopian trucker who has to ice over the roads. Otherwise, something uh, beneath will. It's like a kaiju situation uh, where they have to yeah. ice the roads. Otherwise, something from the deep dark depths of the ocean is coming. You know what I think is below the deep dark depths of the ocean that might be coming underneath this ice? I think it's Lawrence Fishburne in a very <laughs> smog type role where he's a CGI monster. Nice. He's below the ice. This takes place in uh, 2025. We're going to set it <laughs> four years in the future because that is pretty much where we're heading. This one takes place in the not, not, not even remotely too distant yeah. future of 2025. The world has completely frozen over. Uh, Liam Neeson delivers. It's like a reverse uh, salt truck. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like. <laughs> it's the opposite of salt. Sugar. Sugar <laughs> makes a, ice. Okay. Uh, he's Willy Wonka, and we're doing another one of these. <laughs> Sugar and ice and everything nice. <laughs> Supply lines specifically need to be iced more than others because they they're worn more and as they're worn on Mm -hmm. the closer we get to lawrence fishburne um right (laughs) coming up we need okay we need we need we need to talk about lawrence fishburne (laughs) yeah 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 he is i think at the very beginning of the movie you know it's like pre-2025 maybe in modern times (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh liam neeson is like on a picnic with his daughter starts to snow and he's like it's la well the the only problem i have with that is that he can't do an american accent <laughs> it's not supposed to snow in la something like that is that better <laughs> yes 
That definitely sounds like okay. an Irish person trying to do an American accent. There's like a hypercut of like watching the Weather Channel being like, snow is not going to let up for the next two years. And then, you know, like it's a hypercut of them like surviving. They've got heaters and everything. The whole landscape turns to snow. Him and his daughter, they're out there, they're a survival team. And then Liam Neeson says something to the effect of like, well, at least it's just snow. <laughs> And then there's a crack in the ice. I, I want to gag up this this first act really quick by by having it like having an inconsequential amount of the 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 opening scrawl of this movie being uh, weathercasters, although it is snowing, being like, oh, it should let up uh, tomorrow. We're going to be back to seventy five <laughs> and and uh, you know clear skies, and then it just like a short time lapse of that where a guy's just like. We can't predict the weather anymore. It's just becoming <laughs> insolvable. It's out of our hands. Meteorology is dead. First off, yes, they're at an ice skating rink. Okay, that like that is the the world's new sport. Everywhere has ice skating rinks. Right. They try. Uh, they, his daughter was already an ice skater, so yeah. she's just like aces. This is great. Absolutely. The, the, also, we <laughs> we have another gag where they try to ice. They they try to ice friendly a bunch of different sports, but it doesn't work. A lot of world building in this. Uh, <laughs> so they they're zamboning the ice, and his daughter looks up in the stands and then waves at Liam Neeson, and he just looks waywardly towards her because his face is permanently stuck in a scowl. Yeah, she goes out there. She does like a bunch of spins. It's majestic. It's beautiful. Triple sow cow. That she does that. And, My mom used to watch uh, a lot of the uh, the Winter Olympics, so I I know small oh. amounts of of uh, figure skating terminology. That's good because this is going to come in handy. She always has been trying to get him on the ice, and he she bought him a pair of ice skates for his his birthday. And she's like, "Well, if it's going to be, I don't know why she talks like a transatlantic." <laughs> she's, she's just such a young <laughs> she's such a young actor. She can't really place. What her accent is supposed to his be. His accent. Of Liam, of she's Liam playing off of his <laughs> his inability to do American. She's so like, she's so tr- somewhere in the transatlantic. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dad, if you're if it's gonna be all ice from now on, I suppose that you should have some ice skates. And he's just like, that's that's not for me. He's up in the stands, and then he's got his ice skates next to him, and it's got, still got the bow on it that says like "To Dad" mm-hmm. from. <laughs> Melanie. Janet. Oh, yeah. The ice all of a sudden opens up and there's oh. a crack and she looks up and says, Dad, no. <laughs> to which a gas starts to emit from from the crevice. Mm-hmm. Two large green tentacles extend out and then grab the, the people around Melanie mm-hmm. and they drag them into the ice and she's like, what's going on? So underneath uh, the ice, is that... Is that water or is it just gas? Do we find out then that like it's not just ice over? I think that's when we find out that it is some sort of Spider-Man on the PlayStation 1, the reason why you can't see the ground of New York. Not because they were running unlimited hardware, but because there's gas everywhere. <laughs> so really, the ice is protecting... People are choking. Yeah. Where, what's Lord Fishburne look like? What's the Smaug-like creature well i like the kraken imagery that's being brought up with this like an ice dragon version of a kraken yeah where it's like it looks almost identical to an ice color so that later on we'll have some suspense where like you didn't see that part of the geography of where liam neeson is standing is is full-on um kraken maybe does Lawrence fishburne say anything do we give him a speaking role yet 
I don't think so. I, I think this is like a Snowpiercer relationship with the Kraken where we just see it as like some omnipotent like figure. Yeah. And then eventually we find out it's got like a plan somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as all Krakens do. Okay, so Liam Neeson runs. Uh, he jumps on the Zamboni and he starts icing. O- I'm not sure if this is how Zambonis work, but he starts icing over the crack of it. And he gets almost to his daughter. To when she reaches up to grab his hand to, so he can throw her on the Zamboni. Yeah. And then one big tentacle wraps around her and then drags her into the abyss. It's, it's ice taken so far. Ah, uh, your ice taken. <laughs> he sees like a giant eye peering out from underneath the ice. Yeah. As he's reaching towards it, he recoils back. And then some other rando there is just like, you need to get out of here. And yeah. then jumps on the Zamboni, finishes the top, zips it up. Then, you know, the president of the United States makes an announcement <laughs> being like, there's a there's an alien, there's gas under the ice, we need to have this who place plays the Who plays the president? Oh, it's uh, Will Sasso. Oh. <laughs> also, I, what, what I want to have happen is when we see the eye, you know those moments in, in movies where it's like, that took way too long for how quick everything else is happening. Like thing, I want right. to have that shot with Liam Neeson looking into the eye of the Kraken, but the Kraken has like surprisingly like intuitive properties to its eye. So like somehow Liam Neeson knows that there's like a an intelligence there, or that there is like a version of empathy that this thing could have. It winks at him. <laughs> it's like later. <laughs> That's <laughs> gotcha, kid. Later. From that point, I think we have to jump forward like five years or so. Into 2025, because this all happened in 2021. <laughs> right. This all happens in December. That, so we yeah, have we, next we month have to, to do it. For this we event. have to do it where, like, when it releases, it's, like, a couple months ahead of the actual movie's release date. So people are like, right. what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Is this really going to happen in, like, two weeks? The way the last couple of years have been going, this seems about par for the course. Right. This whole, like, the irony of this whole movie being released is that your suspension of disbelief is being matched on a frequency level with your uh, plausible deniability of how the world actually works. <laughs> Honestly makes it very timely. So this is going to be a great movie that we're pitching. I don't know about the actual one, but we'll figure it yeah. out. Okay, so that was first act. I think this is a slow burn movie mostly because um, our improv skills require it to be. First act was too compelling, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. There's a lot of ingredients into this pudding. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's kind of like in a movie that we know is going to be kind of a, a slog and not not so much a... I mean, we we don't need Aaron Sorkin to write this thing. Like, it, it the dialogue in it is going to be kind of minimalist. So the world building in the beginning yeah. is Though what we would love it if he in. did, so... <laughs> yeah. Wait, hey, Aaron Sorkin is a listener. Then <laughs> yeah. reach out to us. Honestly, we would love to. We'd like to your, make this uh, movie that exists already. <laughs> Blazing Saddles couldn't be made today because if you brought it into a studio and showed them the script, they'd just be like, "That's already a movie. It's Blazing Saddles." <laughs> Liam Neeson out on the road. He's got this giant truck-sized Zamboni. It can't, it can't be a Zamboni because Zambonis technically they like shave the top layer off of the ice so that it's smooth well i did say i don't know how zambonis <laughs> work so yeah good good job i've just been waiting good to for i've you. just been waiting to throw that at your face <laughs> you know every time we're at a fucking party 
first thing you do is you grill me about my knowledge about Zambonis. You know I don't know much about Zambonis, and you're just trying to embarrass me. I just want to be Damn cool it. in front of the friends that you would introduce me to. So I just want to throw I throw you under the bus. It's a bad strategy. You throw me under the Zamboni. <laughs> throw you under the Zamboni. And they all love Zambonis, too, so yeah. it really fucks up my cred. <laughs> Although it would be pretty interesting if Zambonis were, like, if their initial, uh, like, version of being created was like, what if we just took, like, a sand compactor and did it on the ice? As far as my knowledge of Zambonis go, that's how they are now. So I don't know. Again, quit throwing your Zamboni knowledge in my fucking face all the time. It's okay, so he's got a big it's just magic like, ice truck. Yeah, it's an right? ice truck. It's just, it makes the ice better. It's like it the Coors Light train where it just brings ice uh, to, to the world. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Coors Light and Snowpiercer did like a, a Tide marketing thing? Man, that'd be perfect. That'd be awesome. You get to the front of the train of Snowpiercer and it's just... A bunch of beers. Let's chill. People from the back of the train and the front of the train are all like clinking 40s together. <laughs> wow. It's like the one thing when Kylie Jenner put like the, the oh Pepsi in the soldier's God. hand. <laughs> Oh fuck! That's a whole awesome movie. <laughs> I it it is, but we have to focus on this awesome movie that we're okay. making. So, what happens for the remainder of this movie? I think it's pretty Death Stranding, where it's like a desolate existence. He's just going from job to job. Okay, Liam Neeson's been doing this pretty much since the beginning of the his uh, daughter being gone. Um, About next month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he starts doing it immediately. He's like the first to sign up. He doesn't want to leave the area because he thinks like. Oh, like, this is where my daughter was missing. Who knows if she'll pop up again. Um, so right. he only does local jobs for the ice icing, the road icing company. <laughs> ice the road. Isis. Right. Yeah. I- Isis, the ice roading, the road icing company. God damn. Road icing company, yes. <laughs> so he's just been doing, like, local contract jobs. But they, uh, a representative from, like, the the company who, who contracts out all of these uh, truckers, uh, reaches out to him specifically because they've been having a lot of issues with like a long haul version of his job, which takes care of some of the more sizable cracks in the in the country. But people have been disappearing and falling into the crack. Route six six six. Of course, they call it. Of course. <laughs> yeah. um, and they're like Liam Neeson. You've been doing this for the longest. You know, of of any of us road ice truckers, uh, about three years, <laughs> about three years, you know better than anyone. Uh, and he's like, "I won't take the job." And they're, like, "Oh, that's really good. Thing. You're leaving me <laughs> actually pretty, pretty good." Um, and they're like, "Taken aback by my terrible attack." <laughs> so, and I, I think there's a there's an amalgam of both of our impressions that is actually where he he lands in this movie. No, that's good. You, you get Liam Neeson for the rest of this, and I'll take his transatlantic daughter <laughs> if she ever comes back. Um, and they're like, they're like, we we've been seeing signs of life show up underneath the cracks, and he's like, "Fine, I'll take the job." And and so that's where we get our we really blaze past the whole uh, denial of the call or whatever they call it in the Campbellian circle of storytelling. The whole place is ice. This is like ice age territory. Ray Romano, yeah, right? Uh, oh yeah, he does have a companion. Does have with him too in this. So we do have to add a companion, and it's, they're like, "You're gonna take our our number one guy with us. He knows these roads better than anyone else." It is, yeah. It's Ray gotta Romano. be right. <laughs> it's gotta be right. Do either? Uh, do either of us? I guess. <laughs> uh, I know this country better uh, than anyone else. 
My rare mono oh is my more um, parrot that you trained to say a few different phrases. Ice road. You just leave. You just leave. Everybody loves Raymond on for your your parrot. He's like, oh, <laughs> okay. So the tag team duo, more of a romance than anything. They're going across the country, um, discovering their love for hockey. Sure. Yeah, hockey makes sense. It's like okay. it's like a well. Ray Romano, notoriously a, a sports centric type guy. Obviously, uh, Liam Neeson is the the more withdrawn guy. But yeah, but, um, yeah. Ray Romano is a very like he he's a guy who won't he's the guy who won't shut up. So he's like they they spend like the first day of their job together where Ray Romano is just trying to get anything out of Liam Neeson. It's kind of like a Prince Avalanche type scenario. Um, yeah. Also, big recommends to Prince Avalanche. Great movie. Save it for the recommends Sorry. for next week. <laughs> uh, uh, spoiler alert <laughs> for next week. <clears throat> you're you're going to forget about this I... before next week. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we've, we've front-loaded the first half of this podcast so much with information about this so we'll just say that that is like most of their journey is them uh you know kind of coming close it's almost like a road buddy comedy at this point yeah and then like at a point ray romano like looks up and there's a hockey stick like up on where a cop would keep his shotgun <laughs> uh <laughs> and he's like oh you play i don't it's about as good as it's gonna get. and then <laughs> uh yeah, and then they play some hockey yeah, out there, like, and then they're just loving I it. I used to, but I don't anymore. <laughs> What's happening? <you? laughs> Gilbert Gottfried is playing <laughs> If I score a shot on you, I get to choose where we stop for dinner tonight. And and because Liam Neeson is like a very like he has ham and cheese sandwich every day, and Ray Romano's fucking tired of it because he doesn't pack a lunch. They start to actually like talk about a real thing that like connects them we're like ray, ray romano had a kid who died of like pneumonia yeah. or something i'm trying to find my kid yeah that's jason Statham. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing half the time i just try hey, ray to Romano's... do a different voice than my own it's like yeah <laughs> hit ran it's like when you have an ipod shuffling just hit random. right Let's see what comes out of this and ray romano's like <laughs> Whether she's gone or not, she's not ever really gone, and I don't know what... You sound like John C. (laughs) Riley if he got kicked in the head by a horse. (laughs) Yeah, in either case, (laughs) they... they, uh, Raymond ends up giving him some hope by one way or another, and they continue on their road. Mm -hmm. Now, to skip through more of those interactions and the montage of them getting to be really good friends, and uh, Liam Neeson, you know, becoming Mr. Brightside... Um. Yeah. Something has to happen. So they're essentially what we need is there to be like a ground zero for where the quakes are coming from. Let's say it's Vegas because it's just a good skyline. Also, Kevin. Uh, Kevin James. Kevin also, James. Kevin James is there. <laughs> He's got like a, a Segway that's got skis on it. Very funny. <laughs> Very funny movie. So they get to the outskirts of Vegas, and there's like a military barricade around. And then Liam Neeson's like, we need to get through. No, we're doing, like, science stuff, and Ray Romano will play you for it. We'll, because they've we'll, also got hockey yeah, sticks, Yeah, why not? Too. At this point, <laughs> at this point, yeah. Why, yeah, not, why not play a, two, a 2v2? So they go out on the ice, they play, um, end result of it, 
Do we? They lose. Oh, they lose. But Holy shit. They're out in the middle of nowhere now. Ray Romano pulls out a Bowie knife and <laughs> digs it deep into one of the guards' chests. Let me let me try and just like jockey this like just to the right a little bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. During the hockey game, Ray Romano sees that they're about to lose. The time is about to go down and they can't, they don't have the puck. It's, it's hopeless. Pulls out the Bowie knife, drives it deep into the ice where they're standing, and cracks it open. And it and the crack shoots straight through the line of of the security guards. And he goes, "Now you're gonna have a real problem if we don't drive through here with our ice truck." <laughs> Your John C. Riley is getting better, though. I don't like how you operate, but. I'll give you props, and they let him drive through. But goddamn, that was pretty <laughs> slick. Yeah, that's much better than the the wanton right. murder. Yeah, I did. I, okay. I didn't want like, so, to shut you down, but I you you no, evoked no, in me the okay. idea of of not making yeah. Ray Romano a murderer. Well, we'll see about <laughs> oh, that. There's still, still a got little time, bit yeah. of this movie left. <laughs> yeah, they let them drive through. They're icing it up to a point. We get to our grand finale set piece of the movie they get into like the center of las vegas around the eiffel tower there is a giant like pump sort of thing that's being erected above the eiffel tower Mm. that is trying to like suck out the gas and it's like spewing it into the air but up into the atmosphere so it's like launching it up yeah (laughs) i was like holy Uh, shit this thing goes deep (laughs) <laughs> well, it, it might, but uh, <laughs> so there, there's this big pump. It's spewing it into the air. They get to it, and they're like, what the hell is this? Military people are just like, mind your own business. They're like getting deeper into it when they approach a tank, and the tank is like encircling the entire pump, and above it, it says infecteds on it. Mm. And then when they walk closer to the tank... Uh, through the green foggy mist, Liam Neeson kind of peers inside and he sees just a, a random man and he like hits his hand against the window. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a jump scare moment. He's right. like, let us out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, they're holding people in there. I wonder if my daughter might be in there. I see. You fucking nailed it. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting better. <laughs> is he being held captive by people, or is he being held captive somehow via the Kraken? The government is holding these people. If the Shark and Jaws turned out to be like just a pretty cool guy that got turned into a monster <laughs> by the government, I think that's so much more interesting than just being like, and then there's a monster. Right. So, so what we should learn is that um, the government has has. Um, had in captivity the kraken this whole time they have had no way Mm. to facilitate those who have been swooped by by the kraken over the many years so they contain them they don't they don't offer them an escape from that they're just like listen we'll keep an eye on you but we're not letting you back into so what we need to learn is that the kraken was actually keeping better taking better care of the captured than the government is (sighs) I think what the government was doing, they were putting gas into the earth in order to melt all of the gold (laughs) inside of the earth's crust Mm -hmm. and then seep it up through this big pump in Vegas. And then somewhere along the line, it got a hold of some little octopus, some small Lawrence Fishman, and then it turned it into this big... (laughs) What we find out is Lawrence Fishburne used to be a scientist. 
and they had <gasps> him so they had him dive deeper than any man or woman has ever done fishman yeah lawrence fishman w- was put in the fishman suit uh which was like a like a doc ock uh situation for like uh for taking samples from like deep in the in the in the core in the core um but there was yeah. like a radiation spike that went off and he was melded essentially to the earth or to what is like the sea, the essence of the sea. Um, yeah. And, and they just like forgot about him for a while. And he plotted. <laughs> they forgot about they just, <laughs> they didn't, they okay, him. They down. Not like forgot gets, about him. Like they didn't. Melded, <laughs> like they didn't realize he, he was melded there. to the ears crust. They were just like, huh. Oh, shit. Well, I, love, <laughs> I think I left my oven what on. What were we doing? <laughs> No, no, no. They, they they were just like, uh, he's gone. Like they they were like a radiation yeah. spike. We haven't heard from him. Uh, all right, on to the next thing, as the government is wont to do. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne knows something about what lies beneath that we don't, and maybe don't need to do for the sake of this movie. For the sake of this movie, I think what eventually, and this is like going. We, we did a lot of like step by step stuff initially, but this is like grand scheme. Like once we find out yeah. what Lawrence Fishburne's. Uh, motivations are what his deal is yeah he he has found the and inhabited essentially and protected the lost city of atlantis um which is the only hope of of uh saving the planet from is to is to bring they also have the cure for coronavirus because this movie comes out in 2021 (laughs) and they're trying to be timely Uh, it's really tacky in hindsight really yeah well it was it's kind (laughs) of like an al gore (laughs) thing where where it's a little Hmm, it's it's supposed to be a little scary for the wrong reasons he's trying to snatch up as many people as possible to bring to atlantis so that the Mm. atlantis is a magical place fucking obviously yeah so they don't have any Very like cool. um emissions or anything it's like directly that. below vegas also right liam neeson puts his hand against the glass a man slaps his hand against the glass his eyes are glazed over like a piercing blue mm. he says help us as soon as his hand hits the glass it touches like the out the glass that is opposite of liam neeson's and liam neeson goes on this vision journey where he sees all of this stuff oh, wow. maybe takes 25 to 30 minutes goes on a very tree of life sort of <laughs> thing we learn that through the next maybe three or four hours this is an eight hour movie <laughs> Uh, we're doing it. <laughs> we're changing cinema we're doing forever. It. We're doing it. <laughs> and it's a movie called uh, Heist the Road. Self-indulgent movie of the year. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's so poorly rated. Uh, we go on this long journey, and we finally, as a uh, as a as a viewer, understand Lawrence Fishman's plight. And Ray Mano says, "Wow." <laughs> Wait, I need to get back into it. Uh, what's his wife's name again? Her, her name is Deborah. Deborah. <laughs> yep, that's it. I'm back in. How do we resolve this? I don't know. You know what? You know what? I'm blaming the cold meds. This is yeah. this is firmly on your shoulders. I don't know where I'm going. Okay, okay, okay. I think I can say this. When they get to Vegas, they find that Vegas essentially is is. Uh, frozen into this like uh, fortress of solitude, they they learn from from icing the roads up to it. Don't ice too close to it because we need this thing to stay afloat in the water that we've 
put there. I know otherwise the cracks are gas, but there's like a, a water moat around this Fortress of Solitude. What cool. they find out is that there right. is a... The, they, okay, here... Okay. <laughs> this is, stu- <laughs> this right. is stupid, but you, here you, we go. You psyching yourself up for your bad idea is just getting me elated for it. So, all right, go. <laughs> so... Uh, what, what they do is they, they figure out that the magnetic pull is not to north or south, it's to the center of the earth. And the structure, there's so much metal in Las Vegas, it could easily be pulled toward the center of the earth. And there's, uh, there's a reverse magnet, uh, situation going on that keeps What's a reverse magnet called? A magnet. (laughs) Oh, okay, yeah, just a backwards magnet. <laughs> it's gotcha. just a, it's cool. a different magnet. <laughs> what they do is they have this very quick final sprint to turn off that magnet, which will plunge New, uh, New Vegas, which will plunge well, Vegas. Well, it is now New <laughs> Vegas, New yes. Vegas. Will plunge into the, the ocean. Yeah, the rhombus-shaped uh, Vegas into the ocean. Alongside uh, the, Atlantis. Right, they plunge it into yeah. that, but... But the force of it will shatter, will will break up a lot of the ice that is currently covering the world. So as the world breaks apart ice-wise, mm-hmm. everyone is being sucked into Atlantis against their will. You know, I won't I won't claim that this isn't a little uh, polarizing, no pun intended. Yeah. I guess, again, we're setting up a, a trilogy, at least, of movies yeah. where uh, everyone is in Atlantis which happens to just kind of be it's not it's not like one city like like a lot of people think it is it's it's essentially like a lower crust of of yeah, the world of the earth yeah, yeah. so so everyone kind of gets sucked into their geographic equivalent of as Perfect. as like it turns out Lawrence Fishman is part of a a large colony of protective kraken creatures who monitor Atlantis to really finalize the whole selling on like a, a sequel needing to happen here, we have to have the government remaining up on the Earth's crust, and then like whoever the figurehead of that what you know what Ray Romano stays behind and he's like sacrifice, <laughs> sacrifice yourself, and he's like you know, save yourself, I'll I'll stay back, and then he stays up, and then the last scene we have is Ray Romano with an earpiece and he turns and he goes, the target got away, but we. We know exactly, we got the fish in the barrel, exactly where we want them. And you know where that that government hub is? Hmm, where is it? It's Area 51. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's the movie. That's a great... (laughs) Is it? I was... I think it's amazing because what we just set up is, first of all, one of the greatest movies of all time about climate change. Then we also imply that in the next coming movies, aliens are going to be involved. Yes. You know what is really frustrating about our formula? We come up with such intricate and complicated and interesting ideas that this is the reason why after they made movies, they invented books. Even after they made movies, they just kept because making books. Because there's no way. Yeah, that's why. That's why they made books after movies. Because there's no fucking way you can put this in two hours. Books for like ten minutes were like, oh fuck, we're finished. And then they saw like the longest movie of their time, and they're like, okay, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> we'll be fine. As the crow flies, as far as this recording goes, it took us an hour to just kind of 
describe the idea of the movie. So I, I think books are going to be around for a minute, is all yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe we should be authors instead of <laughs> podcasters. <laughs> oh, that about wraps it up. Uh, end credit song. It's the end of the world as we oh, know it is. Yeah. Very good, very good. <laughs> Perfect. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the podcast as we know it. Thank Christ. It finally came to an end. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you all for joining us on Lost the Script here today. We hope you enjoyed our time. If you're a little bit confused, so am I. The world <laughs> is spinning, and I mean, I'm also spinning. If you think about it, we're on a big old rock. Wow. But also, I'm on a whole lot of cold medicine, so uh, <laughs> I'm spinning more I than you are, bitch. That extension is like, you realize we're all just like on a floating rock, and I'm on cough syrup. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fucked up right now, so hey, sup, son? <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast, you idiot. You shouldn't have wasted your time. I've been one of your two Greamer worm tongues of religion, Chris Kobel. And I am the version of King Theoden that is being controlled by Grimmer worm tongue. And that is Kian Hagstrom. I know technically it was Saruman, but who gives a shit? You have no power here. Ray Romano. <laughs> Deborah. <laughs>